uh, I'm joined by Dr. Renette Stain. Good morning, Renette. Good morning. Nice to be here. Um, thanks so much for chatting to us this this morning. I, I think we'll start at the at the start. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, as many would know it. What then would not count as OCD? Because I think many people blur the line when it comes right. to these things. So, can I, if I can just recap it, it's a, it's a very fixed system of an obsession, which is a thought that won't go away. Mm. And it's it's like living a nightmare or uh, being in a movie that you can't get out of the character or the sphere. It is an anxiety disorder, and that's very important to understand. That the compulsion or the behavior, which is the stuff we notice um, in the movie, uh, as good as it gets, the character, the male character played by Jack Nichols, mm. uh, avoids stepping on cracks in the pavement. So that's the bit that people notice. But for the sufferer, the compulsion or the behavior, which can be physical, like not stepping on cracks or washing hands, or spiritual, emotional, for instance, staying in prayer, that behavior is used like a talisman or a magical element to ward off the perceived evil or threat or death or there's some threat mm. that's contained in the compulsive thinking. So there are many fears in other disorders. For instance, phobias yeah. also have a fear, but the reaction to a phobia is not to try and neutralize it with some behavior. It is rather to avoid it. Mm. Now, what, are, yeah? Dr. Annette, uh, what are some of the practical day-to-day things that people suffering from OCD can do to help their condition. As you mentioned, it's not necessarily um, big things. It might be micro things. What can one do if one does struggle with OCD? Okay, so uh, um, just a short recap is from Freud's time in the early 1900s, people tried psychoanalytic and other types of understanding therapy mm. and that is virtually a null result over a long time serotonin treatment by certain antidepressant drugs are certainly helpful in a treatment but on their own cannot help um, trying to work on your own without some assistance from a therapist is probably not going to help you as well because you need to learn specific tools and be brought back to reality or the general reality from your nightmare. It would be like saying to somebody who's in the middle of a nightmare, just do the following things and you'll get out of it. So some of the techniques which we teach in cognitive behavioral therapy, for instance, would be interrupting the compulsion or the obsessive thought with certain different behaviors. If it were not OCD, and somebody wanted to just stop smoking, which would be a compulsive behavior. Giving them some nothing to do with white wool is a good way of delaying the next cigarette, if that makes sense. So that would be a distractive uh, behavior that we try and help them discover and practice that prevents the compulsion from deepening and repeating. Uh, The... Oh, one of the best treatments for it is, and if your listeners who are driving or get startled easily want to turn their radios down really soft, I will demonstrate it later. 
But if, if you just think back to anything that made you really scared mm. and fix a picture of it, and I shout really loudly, very loudly, stop, which we actually do in our practice rooms. It interrupts this, this magical thing you were doing to neutralize anxiety. You don't drop dead. And yeah. then it becomes very hard to do that thing in future because you'll, the people actually hear, say, I could hear you shout stop, stop. very loudly mm. in my head. So that's just some of the stuff. Hypnosis or any form of relaxation is very, very helpful. Mm. And I have found, uh, this is not generally taught in psychology, but I've certainly found that, for instance, a specific yoga breathing exercise that's very regular Mm. will help calm people down. We must always remember it's an anxiety disorder where the fear is one of terrible threat or death. Like if I'm afraid of germs, I'm really afraid of dying. Now, we did play a clip at the, at the start of the hour, uh, a poet um, explaining his uh, personal experience with OCD. Um, many people have misconceptions uh, about, about this disorder. And let's talk about how it actually affects social interaction and um, how one should go about uh, moving around in, in social spaces. And then the second part would be are there ways to coach one to improve your social skills and uh, who, how you interact in, in, in open spaces? I, I'm going to ask, answer the second question first. Yes, there are ways, but I must tell you that OCD is a very, very difficult disorder to treat because it's, the fixation is in the unconscious mind. So it's like if you have something wrong under the bonnet of your car, and you don't know what to look for and you can't see what's wrong. Mm. It's really hard to get your car to drive normally. Yeah. And and this is the problem where you do actually need professional help. And then there would be a slow desensitization. So we would gradually bring people into a space where normally they might be terrified. And remember, this is also not to be um, confused with phobias, which is just fears. But let's say people believe that any red-haired person is from the devil, mm. which is not a phobia. This would be more an obsession and a fear of dying or being tricked into wrong behavior with guilt and all sorts of religious things, part of the obsessive thought. So we would have to somehow help them neutralize the terror of the red-haired person mm. by some way. There are, there's a phrase that we often use, for instance, with bipolar disorder, which I found helps with OCD, which is, it's not personal to me. Mm. And, and just teach people, okay, the, uh, if this is indeed a devil, let me just breathe, let me do my breathing. It's not personal to me. They're not here to harm me. It's not and, a threat, yeah. Yeah, and there's also, one must understand also, if you really start believing other people are devils, then you're probably more on the side of a psychotic disorder like a schizophrenia. Mm. Because the OCD people actually know that the thought is coming from them. It's not coming from some outside source. Mm. The um, Okay, so if you are constantly battling severe anxiety, whether it's a phobia like 
terror of going into public or terror of being judged or fear of germs or whatever. Mm. In OCD, there's that similar impairment of your ability to go out. If you are constantly having to count things, imagine how long it could take you to climb stairs in an office building where you would be working or shiny lights in a room where there might be a social gathering. And the, the impairment is often the result not of the, the scary thought, but of these very fixed and sometimes extremely involved in precise rituals that the OCD sufferer has created to neutralize the anxiety feeling or the terror feeling of the thought. Mm. We touched on it a bit earlier, but let's uh, delve into this a bit more. Uh, explain the difference between an obsession and a compulsion. Okay, so the obsession is a recurrent and persistent thought, such as um, the, the thought might be, there's a famous story of Lady Macbeth in the Shakespeare play who washes her hands over mm. and over after she's created a lot of murder to be done. Yeah. And she says all the great oceans in the world cannot take out the spot, out out damned spot. spot yeah. And um, so it's this is this it's usually something like a terror or a guilt is is the thought that the person has to somehow escape from or relieve. And then they do a ritualistic, usually, behavior, like washing the hands or putting things in a very strict order or avoiding things or even saying things. Mm. Um, and it could be swear words, you know, very often uh, that type of Tourette syndrome. And it very often is part of the obsessive compulsive disorder presentation mm. in the world. So the, the, the obsession is the thought and the compulsion is the behavior, either external or internal, to neutralize the, the scariness of the thought. Okay. Now, let's take a look at, um, at obsessions. You work with many people with OCD. What are some of the common things people obsess about? The most common things have to do with um, repeated behaviors, like the hand washing we mentioned, mm. or putting things in order. You know, so I first have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to do this. So it could, if, if I have to eat two eggs for breakfast and something goes wrong somewhere with an egg drops or I didn't put the knife down the right way, then I've got to throw everything away and start creating it again which means it might take three hours before I can leave my house to go to work. So that's quite the ordering and uh, then behaviors like hand washing or counting. Counting is very common. Checking is it done. People will go away from their homes and then drive back to make sure, and I'm talking about 20, 30 times, sure. that the door is locked. Mm. Um Yes, and then mental compulsions would include, for instance, repeating words silently to themselves. Mm. So you can see if I'm repeating words to myself, I cannot listen to others around me, and therefore social interaction becomes a failure. Yeah. 
Um, taking a look at, at, at kids or, or younger individuals with OCD, um, is the process of dealing with, with this, this disorder um, different anyhow? I think perhaps in the type of words and communication we would use with them, and I would be loath to yell, stop loudly at a young child who would really be frightened and traumatized by it. Um, but if the, the distraction is quite a big one, distracting from the compulsion, mm. and then also, I think actually with kids, it's sometimes easier to neutralize the, the scary thought. Most of us, if we were small and thought there was some awful being under our bed, if our parents said to us, no, there isn't, then go to sleep, we would, we would become obsessively scared of the thing because our parents have now let us down and they can't see it, so it's even more frightening. Mm. But if mommy played along, took a big broom and slapped a few noisy <laughs> stumps under our bed and said, oh, let me drag it out, it's never it's come gone. back and... Mm. and Play acts, you know. So with smaller kids, it's almost easier to interrupt if it is not yet fixed. I must say that um, the, for a great part of the research uh, era, which was from the, probably the 40s upwards, people believe that OCD is genetic. And certainly in the brains of people with OCD, there's more gray matter and less white matter than in the normal controls mm. so it doesn't have to be a genetic thing but it certainly can be um, a brain disorder in the sense it could occur in the womb or any other time many OCD symptoms start after some trauma for instance it could be the loss of a loved one or other trauma and they could start as late as between five and ten years later so mm. in that sense it laps but over a bit with, for instance, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in that it doesn't have to occur immediately. It's rare to find somebody with first symptoms occurring after 40. Okay. And when it comes to the compulsions, I imagine this is not where things can get difficult um, and, and damage people's health. Yes, certainly. Well, uh, for instance, compulsive now... If I can mention that some personality disorders, and a personality disorder is not genetic. It's caused by the big people around you, and that might include a whole bunch of bullies calling you two up four eyes when you're wearing glasses. Mm. But the, the big forces around you when you're tiny that represent your powerlessness in the world. Um, so that causes a fixed personality type, and there are many kinds, but for instance, there's a borderline personality who will often do self-injury things, like chew their nails until they bleed or pick at their skin. But in obsessive-compulsive disorder, you could also get such behaviors, and that's why the diagnosis should be done by a very competent specialist. The... Um, Yes, so certainly the injury there mm. is important. We don't find physical injury very common in OCD, except if it's a result of a compulsion like cutting and so on, and, and, and really very often those are personality disorder things. Mm. You could suffer from both, but it's interesting that if the OCD is treated effectively, then the person's personality disorder seems to disappear, which is 
very rare if it's just a personality disorder. Yeah. You are tuned into Cape Talk. If you want to ask anything to Renette Stain, clinical psychologist, we're talking about OCD. Feel free to phone in 021-446-0567 or send me a WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. Renette, uh, let's open up the conversation to the anxiety disorders in general. What are the other kinds? And uh, then the question is, is OCD um, the most common one? OCD occurs in about 2 to 3% of the Western population. Now, I'm going to make that comment very <laughs> emphatically because stress and any disorder, whether it's your back that gets more sore regularly or psoriasis or skin itching that gets worse or um, migraines that get worse or, or schizophrenia. A person can be schizophrenic and not have very rare attacks. But the moment you put them in an extra stressful situation, so that's why I'm saying Western society, where things move fast and and very often impersonally, it's 2 to 3% of the population. Whereas depression is higher and um, personality disorders would be higher. So it's not, it's not that common. For instance, general anxiety is quite... I can't give you the exact statistics because they change from from research to research, uh, depending on what they're including in it. But phobias are of more common, much more common than OCD, for instance. Now, for, for the people who are interacting with, with people with OCD in the social setting, what can we do um, to help this disorder or, or what shouldn't we do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to refer back to that wonderful Helen Hunt role in As Good As It Gets. The, um, if you think of Detective Monk in the TV series, mm. he had this assistant who would give him his wipes yeah. to, to clean the germs. You know, So accommodating the disorder as if it's okay to have it and just accommodating it is probably the kindest and the most effective way of letting the person feel less anxious because he's being allowed to carry out his his magical elimination of the threat. Mm. The it, it's people with disorders like OCD or children with ADHD or anything generally find it really hard to function in society because they're an irritant to people. Imagine if your friend was always late because they had to touch each handle, door handle seven times then mm. wipe it before they can go into a room. There's a lot of irritation with people with disorders of any kind, um, even physical disorders, because you can never go, for instance, to a restaurant where there's stairs because mm. your friend can't climb them. So people deal with a lot of judgment. And if we can have... Um, if we do want a friendship or do want to help family or friends with these disorders, we have to stop judging the disorder and stop trying to change it physically mm. and and maybe facilitate them being able to go to support groups or mental health uh, people. And that could include government hospitals. So it doesn't have to always be really expensive. So professional and, help is advised to, to like you mentioned, yes. it is definitely advised. Specifically, if the only psychotherapy that seems to work is cognitive behavioural or behavioural therapy, yeah. which has 
a 60 to 70% success rate in either eliminating or totally uh, alleviating greatly the, the thoughts and the behaviors, which is a good success rate. Obviously, it takes time. Uh, one other thing just to let people know about if someone else has OCD, if you have OCD with insight that what you are doing is not helpful to yourself or society, you've got a, good, a fair chance of changing and I won't say healing, but certainly repairing what you're doing so that it's not so destructive to your life. Mm. But if you lack insight, if you believe that, for want of a better expression, the Truman Show is your true world that you are living in, mm. and you refuse to believe otherwise, then the possibility for any recovery is virtually null. So we look at OCD with insight, an OCD without insight as as an important factor in saying, look, we can help you or we can't help you. We just got a WhatsApp on the WhatsApp line, 072-569-1567. Um, uh, Renette, it's it's asking, can you, uh, can you explain borderline personality traits? And that's coming from Annie. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give a short answer. <laughs> if you want to give them my website, or if I may, it's www.selfgrow, as in S-E-L-F-G-R-O-W.co.za. Okay. And there's two articles. One is called Difficult People and the other one Toxic People mm. because it's a very long subject to go into now. But the, the most common borderline traits, if I can again refer to a TV show just to speak at actually the level uh, um, of non-psychological people that might be listening. Yeah. There was this, um, uh, a series called Ali McBeal, mm. where she had typical borderline personality traits. For instance, the character wore long sleeves. She had an eating disorder. The long sleeves were probably, we find in practice, to cover the places where they were cutting the arms, yeah. So even in summer, so that people wouldn't see the compulsive cutting. Mm which would also then be an attempt. Now, it's not OCD, but you can see why it's difficult to diagnose what you're dealing with. She would have micro-psychotic um, episodes, so a few seconds long. It's not major things. In the case of Ali McBeal, this was a, there was this caricature baby character that would appear. And while it was slightly caricatured, it was a very good summary of the borderline personality. There's also putting people on a pedestal or idealizing something and then the moment is a non-agreement or a failure of total empathy. Mm. Uh, you have to completely annihilate or reject the relationship whether it's with a dog or a person or, or whatever. So borderline means it's on the border between psychosis and clear thinking. Mm. The uh, perhaps if I could mention, and I don't uh, please interrupt me if I'm going too far. <laughs> no, no, I think you're answering the the question, so that's very necessary. Now, there's there's also remember that OCD is different to habits of compulsion or habits that comfort your anxiety, like if you are doing things in a certain order in your house because you like it that way and you get quite anxious if somebody else disrupts it. That is not OCD. It's more likely to be just a common anxiety in a way of trying to manage it. 
uh, people, for instance, who have high anxiety will often clean the house like into the night mm. and, and put things, you know, if you put something wrong, you're in trouble. Then there's the obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Those would be what, what we'd call the control freaks or the neatness freaks. Yeah. But it's not that extraordinary fixation on the, on the neutralizing effect. Uh, people just think they're right because they've got to clean their house. And frankly, if they wanted to work for me, I wouldn't mind. So <laughs> it's not, it doesn't impair their ability to do their business and yeah. be a mother and, and be at peace with themselves um, generally. Mm. Um, you are tuned into Cape Talk if you just tuned in. It's about 20 minutes to 2 o'clock. I'm chatting to clinical psychologist Ronette Stain and we're delving into OCD and uh, the conversation um, about what we can do um, to, to aid someone going uh, through OCD. I got another SMS, Ronette, saying very much thank you for the interesting talk. Um, the question being, do people with OCD ever also suffer from seizures? And that's from Jason in Cape Town. Uh, it wouldn't. It would be an accidental thing where you have. We call it comorbid, or two things attacking the same human being. So I can have a broken leg and I can also have a heart attack, but they don't necessarily go together. Yeah. Um, seizures could be very scary, and therefore, if you have high anxiety and you're getting seizures, the the possibility of developing this terror thought and trying to neutralize it happening might be high. Well, uh, thank you very much for chatting to us. I think um, many people know a lot more now when it comes to OCD and, in, and anxiety disorders. So I uh, thank you very much for chatting to us this morning on Cape Talk. Um, and um, best of luck with everything um, over on your side. Thank you. Can I just mention one little um thing that really is helpful. I did mention relaxation before, yeah. but uh, hypnosis can really have um, a good impact. And generally we ask our clients, or I ask my clients, many others do, to record the session so that they can listen to it over and over. And that is something that can be relatively cheap because it's one session you might even be able to buy a hypnosis for OCD of, uh, yeah. you know, or for relaxation or for website for relatively Mm. low cost and listen to it over and over and that's a great help well that sounds um, really really great thank you very much for chatting to us this morning thank you Ronaldo it's been interesting that being Renette Stain, clinical psychologist, and we were talking about obsessive compulsive disorder. 